0: Welcome to the Performance Strategies and Stumbles podcast with me, your host, Dan Howells. Today, we have the first strategy episode with Spencer Goggin. Now, Spencer's bio is in the footnotes of the show. Get on there and have a little look at his career to date and what he's been involved in. But we're going to get straight into the detail now as we head over to this episode with Spencer detailing program design for diving athletes. Enjoy the show. I have Spencer Goggin with me today, who uh, is based over in Australia. So Spencer, let's just start by you telling everybody a little bit about uh, yourself and the current role you have. Hey Dan, thanks for having me
1: on. I am currently the strength conditioning coach with the diving program out here in Sydney at NSWIS. I'm also the head of strength conditioning for the under-21s
0: program with the Cronulla Sharks. Awesome. And we're going to be spending most of our time today really honing in on that role With diving right so what is it we're going to be speaking about today and why is it so important in the day-to-day work you do with those athletes so diving itself is a pure strength and power sport um
1: i focus on three key moments with my divers there's a takeoff flight time and entry and they all have differing physical requirements so We'll get into the weeds on how I develop strength and power specifically around jump height, And then if we get time,
0: we might touch on some of the posterior change stuff I'm doing with them as well. Awesome. So the interesting thing here is, and the reason I wanted to dig into this with you is you can be really focused and compared to the Cronulla gig, I imagine quite or well, purely focused on strength and power, right? So there must be a lot of attention to detail that goes into program design.
1: Yeah, we get a chance to really get into the weeds with some of the minutiae of strength and power development. And uh some of these athletes, although they might appear, you know, quite small or whatever, and they're up they, they're on the boards, they are incredibly strong and powerful. And um, yeah, it's uh it's a privilege to be able to to work with these guys and get
0: stuck into the detail in the way that they do as well. They are very really diligent. So amazing. And so I guess again, in contrast to something like a team sport, it must be quite natural and easy to go straight to the coaches and straight to the event the simple task or, or the complex task but the the one event as it is as you've already broken it down as takeoff, flight time and entry to reverse engineer where you're going to create impact right so you know talking to the coaches what does your success get measured on what are they looking for from you as a physical support staff member so the program itself is is built
1: on athletes being able to train their list their competition list and the more exposure and technical quality you can get of that list the hmm. in theory the better your chances of executing it on the day so a large part of my role is creating durable athletes that can tolerate the volume required to be able to go and execute on an international stage
0: nice you talk about the list how many like options would an athlete need in their toolkit typically
1: so we'll go with platform diving and springboard actually females will have five males will have six dives and then they'll compete those dives uh prelim semi and final it but will be the same list so it's six dives compete in three rounds um, and that's that's all they all they do and uh, you might progress one dive
0: but it, you would do it outside of a competition window nice okay and so you've got um and you mentioned the word durable are we right and thinking that that durability is to allow them the function to train at high volumes or to tolerate event demands because if we take football everyone's talking about you know being prepared to tolerate the demands of sport if I look back at my time in skiing it was actually the work was to tolerate the demand of training which was you know four five hundred percent of the length of time of any event and, and more so durability which part of their you know uh life as an athlete are you trying to affect that
1: it's definitely the training volume so the competition body you'll do 12 dives in one day and whilst that might have a you know psychologically taxing requirement the f- physiological stimulus isn't all that great and I say that with a pinch of salt because mm. these athletes will hit the water at 60 kilometers an hour on their hands and if they miss by even a fraction it has some pretty strong implications yeah. for what happened down the chain and that's that's kind of what I've been working on with the posterior chain and lumbar strength qualities but
0: amazing and again as an uneducated strength conditioning coach for diving I'm looking at those three things you've separated then those three key phases of or, or key opportunities for impacting this takeoff flight time and entry is your entry more about durability and and strength conditioning that focuses on you know, being resistant to those misses, whereas your takeoff is the performance transfer end of your program design? That's spot on. Yeah, that, there's a yeah. clear distinction between the two and it, that
1: even that distinction is apparent in how I program. So they know Amazing. which part of the session is trying to
0: focus on which component of their, their dive we're trying to work on. Okay, cool. Well, let's get into those weeds then like, in terms of actual program design, because I don't think we share enough about this. Let's just start with the basics, the operational structural organization of a program. Are they training once a week, four times a week? Uh, How do you organize your training with these divers? Is it pre or post water, et cetera? So they'll train three times a week. It will be in the morning between
1: 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. They'll have a slot during that session. Mm -hmm. And then it's always pre-pool. And some of them will do an afternoon slot because... Sydney life, some you know, it gets yeah. in the way sometimes and you have to have a midday slot. So it's been interesting to see those athletes who train directly before the pool and those that train mm. four to five hours before the pool session. And then the athletes themselves are split up into our kind of developing and emerging groups. That would be your academy, I guess. And then you've got podium potential and podium ready and podium athletes who mm. are our international and hopeful Olympians. Um, and their program line looks slightly different as well
0: amazing so if we're getting to um those three times a week sessions like start to finish just give everyone a bit of a broad overview of a typical structure to a session um and what that would look like if if they stepped in as a diving athlete to work with you on that let's look at the podium level let's look at the best of the best
1: yeah sure okay so the the podium program um will go one step back so the structure of a week and then that kind of dictates yeah. the session content for that day as well so during pre-season or general prep will have a um your typical contrast training approach where you'll have a your strength component we might have an isometric a loaded jump they quite quite a high volume of counter movement jump exposures mm-hmm. anyway through the nature of their sport so part of my role is to give them uh, an, op- an exposure to something they don't get so these loaded jumps depth jumps those kind of exercises um they're included in the program at lower intensity higher volume in that general prep phase and then across the space of a week uh you'll have a tuesday where we'll have that kind of session a thursday they will come in in the morning and that's typically their most fatigue state so i include more upper body and posterior chain work on that thursday Mm. and then the saturday uh we call it squeeze the lemon so anything that's left Mm. in the tank you typically put and it makes probably counterintuitive really last session of the week gym session but they've got no pool afterwards so we can attack our most most intense days on saturday even mm. through general prep specific prep taper that saturday is the hardest day and the, the session content itself as i've said is some french contra- contrast work and yeah. um, loaded core work because they get a lot of exposure to um typical kind of gymnastics training in dry land yeah. and, and um yeah posterior chain work outside of that as i've said there is like anterior core, which we do a lot of work on, like rollouts and long lever stuff. But it's really interesting doing some of the run-specific isometric work that Alex has has been a strong exponent of. Um, they were just
0: pretty weak in that area because it's a super anterior dominant sport. So hey, let's flip onto that. You mentioned Alex's work, and that's quite prevalent. It's fantastic, and and that's been taken on by a lot of the ground-based sports. But let's flip this upside down. Right? Are you applying that principle of training to? handstands and overhead work and overhead holds things like that are you you using that method but applying it upside down for divers (laughs) you've you've read
1: my crystal ball mate that's we've just come out of world champs trials and that's an area where i think i can start to um uh be curious about right we've we've spoken before about mad scientists thinking and asking questions why if why not um and that's one area that i'm starting to think about is okay well entry forces uh, uh ballistic isometric basically Mm. so can we pair that tissue in the same way you would do for a really short ground contact and that's again i I
0: don't know the answers to that one yet but that's the crystal ball so periodizing over a year what does that look like in broad terms what are you looking to chase so we we have typically
1: one to two benchmark events each year and we have to get the athletes up and ready for those those events we've had one take place just in the last couple of days our world championships trials which we've got five athletes well six including re going to the world championships this year which is which is good um and yeah it's it's basically gearing up our podium ready and podium potential those top Mm -hmm. athletes ready for those events so you typically get um maybe six five six months between events but mm. dotted around that are these these camps and places and trips and travel and all the other uh, things that take away from being in your routine of being in your training environment and having good consistency. So
0: um, it's nice. a challenge. It's a nice, it's a good challenge. And then zooming in on that then, let's, let's go end of the season, you're returning for that first block. I'm sure there'll be some diagnostics that we'll get into, but you must have a broad planning and pencil approach at least to we're starting here and we're going to progress to here and we're going to work to that or is it n equals one for everybody how are you structuring overall design in that way
1: yeah definitely um have some signposts that i like to work through the triphasic training model is is always a nice way to bring Mm -hmm. athletes back into some kind of general prep phase and you, you make those blocks or weekly phases for as long as you want so we typically start with something like that some traditional strength training foundational movements, stuff that we'll all be doing um and and i use the counter movement jump screen once a week as our monitoring tool um Mm. and and what i'm looking for in during that phase is just how much force you can produce produce. time isn't um strength when we do our traditional work or in general prep so let's just use that as a total force during a counter movement jump something like that um, and then we'll move into specific prep, which is where we're trying to change peak force qualities. We might use ballistic isometrics or mm. um, you know, some of our more intense max strength methods. Depth jumps will start to appear again. We will use that for however long there is dependent on the next benchmark event. Uh, and then I will taper for international competitions. I will push them right up until the moment that they leave because they have a natural taper when they travel. Mm-hmm. Uh, just through reduced exposure to strength stimulus when they're away. You could now dive volume probably stays the same, but the intensity goes up there's and there's all the other influencing variables. Mm-hmm. So I push them right for the moment they leave. With domestic competitions or yeah or national championships, the things that we've just had, I'll taper for two weeks leading into it because the travel window is much shorter.
0: Nice, yeah. Cool. That's the basic framework for a, a yeah. build up to a competition. But let's get into some of of the program design then in a given session does this does the theme say similar throughout the year for your let's just focus on those tuesday saturday sessions mm-hmm. are they starting with your sort of bang for buck exercises and then finishing with sort of ancillary work um you yeah, know be great for listeners to understand and visualize some of the program design elements
1: i'll give you as much detail as i can uh, yeah. so general prep we'll have it's it looks Typical training, right? You'd have your Olympic lifts first, but they're not in there because they are, you know, we do your power stuff first. It's in there because it's more for learning nice. that, you know, if you just reintroduce them, you've got the fresh athlete, with probably the most mm-hmm. attentive post warm-up. So that's my really coach intensive block mm-hmm. because when we move on to the specific prep, your Olympic lifts become a key lift. So nice. if you're not technically competent in the lift in the block before, I don't include them in the next block. You go on to a trap bar, drop, catch, jump yeah. exercise instead. Um, and then we go into the, as I said before, your French contrast block during general prep. So you'd have some back squatting or front squatting, or so I include zurches as well for some of our younger athletes. Um, yeah, then an isometric, if it's appropriate, a jump, and then a medicine ball exercise. Uh, angular momentum is a really strong contributor to. Uh, velocity in the air so having fast arms and legs is actually has a has a really potent impact on what they do in the air so making them good at their medicine ball drills is no yeah. matter what general or
0: specific you have to move your arms and legs quickly is has a strong cross that's cool to, yeah. yeah So i was going to get into that then before you said that my, my question was going to be so is that we see a lot of med ball work kind of half-assed at times you know where movements are not finished we see it in box jumps even where extension isn't completed and somebody's focusing on the landing before they've finished the jump and so it sounds like med balls play a big part in training transfer for you because of this very specific element of peripheral limb contributions to the motion of the sport right and the athletes must be understanding of that or do they not see the link No, there's a there's an implicit understanding that medicine ball work is is
1: for that. And what I've the coach before me actually Emma Hay did a really good job of educating them around imitations. They do slow sequential visualization exercises of the takeoff, and then when they're in the air on dry land. And so what we've done is take those the takeoff part of that imitation and add a medicine ball to it, Hmm. and do it at the right speed at the with the right intent as if you were jumping off a platform or a springboard mm. so in general typically I'll, I'll go away from that and have your more traditional vertical tasks now we don't really do much horizontal throwing it's, it's trying to throw the ball as high as you can in the air and that'll be in yeah. a drop patch throw or even just a stationary throw and then during specific prep and taper i'll start to get them to move at and execute them at speed so we're not yeah. Taken away from the skill development they're doing at the pool, It's trying to try and look as fast yeah. with a medicine ball in your hand. So half a kilo, two kilo max. I was going to say, does that go from a heavier ball to a light ball then? As yeah, yeah into the Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice. But again, yeah. we know we still want it fast, so it's probably maximum of like six or seven kilos for this group. Absolute yeah, nice. maximum, even for our stronger
0: male springboard. I was going to say they're smaller as well, aren't the athletes much smaller? Mm. So go, let's go back to you, you used. You know, French contrast would be something that I would say. You know, I'd always encourage people not to chase something that's so complex to start with, but we're talking about your podium athletes and you talk about French contrast being part of your general prep. Did I hear that right? You did. Yeah. So is that because you're still chasing a very general strength adaptation with your strength exercise? So would that look like a back squat into a jump? You know, talk us through actual, at that point, the four exercises, sets of reps would be really cool to hear.
1: Yeah, so we'd go I typical typically I'd go back squat and then we'd either go into a things like a box jump. So there's not the landing it forces, but I've started to look at some accentuated eccentrics when we do our box jumping in general prep as well. as a bit more tissue preparation for the depth jumps that are going to be coming yes. up. Yeah. And then we'd go
0: to um maybe a medicine ball exercise. So it's not it's not classic French contrast. Amazing. So for me, I'm observing the program is like high force, low speed, and you're moving along the 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 force velocity curve across three exercises, in gaining in velocity, um, dropping in in intensity, Um, and that's the. If you had to hang your hat on the the best, the most important stimulus within that series, because it's general prep, is just is your first exercise your priority within that? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so what, just talk us through reps and you know, classic intensities is that with these, with the divers, are they working up to six sets? Is it two sets? I, I, you know, I know the answer we've spoken about this. I think it's really cool yeah. to hear for the listeners.
1: Yeah. so we, we, we go on in multiple sets and high quality reps mm. and working through full range. And because I'm, I'm going to shorten the range up as we move through these blocks. Yeah. So in general, it's just back squatting, front squatting, whatever can get you through full range. And we go. Up to you know 20, 24 reps at eighty percent. We've had a diver who is his one RM is one ninety, he does a full range one ninety back squat and with the gym aware on it at 0.35. so it's still quick. No, uh, yeah, yeah a really powerful athlete. Um he'll, the we have like a key session that mm. I know he's kind of ready to rock and roll. If he can get 160 out for four sets of five. Mm. with jim aware on and not dropping below that 0.35 until the maybe the back end of the last two sets mm. that's why i know he's done enough work to be able to apply more intense more intense stimulus so would you get up to as much as six sets five or six sets um and then and yeah, we're looking at max fiver five reps in if mm. we're going to yeah. that to that extent um but what i do try and use is the gym aware as well and have a 10 percent velocity loss mm. just so we are getting really high quality stimulus
0: even through general prep that's interesting because you if you look at some of the research they talk about for it to be a strength set for that velocity drop to be 20 to 30 percent um but are you seeing that that cooks these guys too much is that and that 10 percent is a bit of a safeguard for you and in in is that how you approach it or yeah i just
1: to be honest i haven't been brave enough to try 30 percent velocity loss with this mm. group because they still have to train in the afternoon and if i absolutely fry them for two or three
0: days and they can't jump well then yeah i'll <clears throat> be in the good books at work for very long so that's amazing um, in point though isn't it because you, you're you're con- consciously or not there's probably a uh a very good decision there Based on the organisation of the training, which is prior to their main priority, and -hmm. if you're limiting their ability to take off the board, I imagine that that limits their ability for flight time, which limits their ability to, you know, go through the motion of the technical lift, which is potentially putting them in a dangerous position. Yeah, by being fatigued. Hundred percent. During during these, I do have a chance to to push them a
1: bit during general and specific prep, but the coaches are on the gym floor as well. So they can see what the athletes are doing. And then in the afternoon, if they've had a big morning, they'll mm. do a, an easier pool session. So we kind of just organize the training sometimes. If, if someone wants to have a, a crack in the gym, the mm. coaches go, right,
0: well, then we, we back off in the afternoon. We just work collaboratively like, collaboratively like that okay cool so you've talked about the general prep there and we go Let's so say back squat box box jump or al oriented exercise med ball exercise is that all a lower body uh focus so the med ball would be a throw oriented med ball exercise yeah all right. yeah all and the then, body. and let's say you've, you're working on that four sets of five six sets of four regime is that the session or what would happen then obviously you've got olympic lifting which is your coaching time tech time in preparation for using that as a stimulus you've got your main work of the is there anything after that yeah you go to your your accessory work so i'll do
1: load carries with with this group um just again for that that lumbar control yeah. Um, we'll do half turkish get-ups which they absolutely hate but again yeah. shoulders stability, wrist position yeah. there's a lot of disguised um injury prevention or robustness whatever you yeah. call it it's just training so i try yeah. and crow in um and then we'll top up with some isometric work either hamstring calf low back shoulder you Use the overhead shrug a lot a lot oh, nice yeah for a I've entry position with your hands they go slightly wider so you're
0: getting more scat control as well so let's flip then to the specific side of things you you sounds like you're using olympic lifts loaded jumps more in that type of session leading into specific prior to taper so that, again what would that session look like if we broke that down So if we broke that session down, you would go from,
1: would go Olympic lift or drop, catch, jump, and I'd sometimes even program that twice a week. Hmm. The first time you program it is for speed, so we might sit at 30% of body weight as an absolute value and just Hmm. get the gym wear out and see where you're at. The second time I program it, I might go slightly heavier, so you're getting almost a strength stimulus with it, and we're looking Hmm. for the athletes to hit unsuccessful braking. So where they could be stiff and powerful when they do them earlier in the week, at the back end of the week when we might take some of the strength stimulus away, this drop catch with heavy really challenges their ability to eccentrically produce force and then store it really quickly as well. Um, so that, that that might be where I'd program those a bookend of the week, and then they'd go. So yeah, hand clean into a depth jump, into a fast throw
0: into mm. another isometric so the framework stays the same we just usually a little guys nice. just tweak yeah. the exercise a little bit and your structure program design is based on this series of tri or quad quad session designs like circuits athletes work through one exercise then another then another with it with a set rest period as opposed to independent abc exercises is that right
1: yeah that's that's the way i i've programmed It seems to work for this group they know the rhythms of the session um, and they also start to feel better as they get into it sometimes if you've had a bit of a couple of sets to warm up and get going yeah there's a potentiating uh, effect as
0: well isn't that there's got i've seen it potentiation for that first circuit hitting all the force velocity elements and then coming Mm -hmm. back to their main focus that's really cool and then similar sort of approach or is prilipin's chart guiding you by Less reps there. Are you reducing the volume at that point?
1: um We will. Yeah, we'll split it in half, basically. So they'll still do a, a fair amount of work in specific prep one. That's a, that for me. The hardest time because they'll start to do their list more often as well. Yeah, and so we're building a really strong tolerance to training during that period, and that's about eight weeks out from our our major event. And then when we start to take volume away from the gym and they'll keep their volume quite high in, in the pool what i'd hope to see is the amount of exposures of their competition list go up during that time so that when we both taper together towards competition now mm. uh, they really go in feel fresh is the theory um cool yes
0: yeah. last one i mean look, there's a ton of information here i want to sort of bring it to a conclusion with one specific question around exercise selection and you did talk about their like the strengths Qualities or abilities to produce force and break, for example. So I know you use CMJ as an example to track and monitor individuals throughout a year. Fatigue aside, if we look at two divers, are you getting into the weeds of we'll call it CMJ signature and and then classifying exercise selection based on needs of an athlete? So there must be differences in your athletes, and are you prescribing based on that? type of monitoring that you're doing
1: so that's a good question there's a lot in that as well <laughs> yeah. so,
0: um, not
1: specifically around their cmj okay nice. files yet yeah so the evolution of the program is to start to unpack a little bit more about how you jump as an athlete nice. the, e-cent- the unweighting and eccentric components really interesting because these these divers typically go through quite a long counter movement and when you watch yeah. them on the which they do as well especially the springboard athletes, because they're so used to riding the board that 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 really short, unimodal CMJ profile that you mm-hmm. see
0: everywhere doesn't exist for them. So then, yeah, am I right in thinking that you, you, your diagnostics is more to influence ag- agility in your program, You know what you change in terms of a volume intensity point of view for a freshness mm-hmm. and fatigue profile, oh, sorry, freshness and fatigue approach, as opposed to a diagnosis mm-hmm. to use certain exercises. Is that right? at the minute
1: yeah that, that's yeah. right yeah and it's also it's quite um it's quite a powerful tool to go back i saw most recently review what you've done what was the dose response relationship between what you thought was going to happen and what actually happened so we do mm. jump quite regularly and i've communicated this with the divers mother you might not see an immediate change but what you will see is the next time round, i might move certain things around or change your program a little bit at this time of year because of what i saw when we did this last time Nice. Um, Mate, that's yeah, awesome.
0: A good tool, good tool for me as well, as much as then. But I think that's a really natural conclusion. You've done a fantastic job there of giving the listeners an insight into program design. And, and I, I thank you, commend you for sharing that level of detail, which often gets missed. So thanks so much, Spencer. Really appreciate it. You're going to hear from Spencer again shortly or next week in this in this second element where we dig into stumbles and mistakes. But from uh, me, Spence, on behalf of the listeners, thanks so much for sharing that kind of detail with us. No problem, Dan. Thanks for having me on. What a great share from Spencer there in terms of the decisions he makes around program design. He's, you know, he's detailed really well there, the, the what, the why and the how for us in that episode. Now, tune in next week to hear Spencer share his stumbles across his career and what it's done to help him learn and evolve and develop as a practitioner. I look forward to hosting you next week and thanks for tuning in.